Good evening and welcome into another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Dana Shropdoss, C70, at the bat, at C70 on Twitter. And with me, as almost always, but back in the saddle after a couple of weeks, is Mr. Coach Alan Medlock. <laughs> Red Dirt, Red Bird, A Medlock, one on Twitter. We've got Alan back after some of uh, some of the new jobs responsibilities. And uh, Alan, it's just good to have you back on the show for a while. Oh, absolutely, buddy. I'm excited. I've been looking forward to it all day. Had some dreary weather, but uh, I'm ready to... Talk some uh, early hot stove and, uh, and and ready to get back on it. Well, in, in, we've had two weeks. Like I said, it happened to be a two weeks that were kind of important <laughs> yeah. uh, to not to have you on because the Cardinals, of course, get rid of Mike Schilt. Um, before we get into the new manager, because that, that happened this week, <clears throat> uh, you know, you haven't had, really had a chance. Give us your take on, on what you thought about the firing of Schilt and, and what all went down around that. Well, I, you know, it's, it's crazy. I had... When the news broke, and I, I mean, I, I remember you and I were going back and forth after Rob broke those news, and I thought, man, this is an odd situation. It doesn't seem like an organization that would be like, hey, our way or the highway type situation, but it seemed like that that probably uh, had a lot to do with it. I was a Shields apologist on here. You know, I really liked him. I kind of felt like he was groomed for the position. It's funny. I wish I had kept better records and things that we had written back in the Redbird Daily days, because I had actually written about that. Whenever Schilt uh, was named the uh, the bench coach for Matheny, I thought, well, this is a situation where they're going to elevate Schilt pretty quickly. Right. Um, and and I kind of felt you know, felt all along that that may have been kind of the situation with Marmol as well. And it was funny through the text messages with a group of buddies between you and I and whatnot. I felt like Marmol probably played a bigger role in the managerial a change than Schilt. I know that doesn't make much sense. And, and I know I realized that yes, there was probably some differences, but I still think there was a lot of, uh, Ollie's getting a lot of attention from other teams. I'm sure there was probably quite a few requests to interview him. And, and that probably helped with those, uh, uh, philosophical differences they talked about. Yeah. I think that, you know, obviously with Marmol being, you know, named this week to the, to the position, which didn't really surprise anybody. I think it just surprised us that they bothered to pretend like they were going to look at a managerial search. And I don't know. I don't know that we got any reports of them actually doing a whole lot of interviewing. Uh, yeah. A lot of speculation about them talking to Streamwalker. I don't know if anybody ever confirmed that they had or anything like that. I mean, it yeah. was don't, pretty much more more from the beginning. No, I agree. I completely agree with that. And sorry to catch you off. It's, yeah. I feel like we're going to know a lot more of who they talk to whenever they finally name the staff. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like we'll, more will leak whenever everything's in place, you know, and that maybe some of that is due to, uh, yeah. How should I say it? You know, I'm sure there's probably some, what else can I do? Stubby clap type stuff. You know what I mean? If there's any animosity there whatsoever. And I think that they'll probably wait to, to uh, let some of that leak until the, the staff is, is fully in, in place. Yeah. I mean, in, in some of that, you may even take a little bit of time, you know, it may be that, uh, you know, if stubby does hold a little bit of uh, aggravation on that, you know, it's not until next year when there's some opportunities that he, you know, he jumps at something, maybe who knows, um, and I don't know that he does. I mean, I don't want to indicate that he's going to have a problem because, you know, again, <clears throat> just like you were saying, 
they put Shilt in the bench coach role and then elevated him. That's what they did with Marmol. So it's not necessarily a big surprise that he got the job. Um, you know, now maybe there's a maybe there's a little bit more of a, hey, I should be the bench coach now. And if they do bring in a skip shoe walker, like there's been some talk about to be that job, then, you know, maybe that rubs some people the wrong way or at least gets them looking for further opportunities. But, um, you know, you're, you're kind of right. I mean, we'll see. And it's really interesting to me. I mean, they announced Marmol this week, which one also was a little bit surprising, right? I mean, they did, they did it on an off day, but it was still during the postseason. Um, a little bit, just a little bit surprising that they pulled the trigger like that. I just figured it would be like the day after the World Series or yeah. something like that. A little surprised that they did it so early, but um, and then I had a thought. Uh, it's gone. <laughs> oh, oh, it was the fact that they they still talking about the staff, you know, and they're still talking about that idea that everybody's supposed to be back or whatever, but they hadn't finalized all this stuff. But I kind of expected, honestly, when they announced for them all that you know, maybe it was a, you know, Mike Maddox isn't coming back or, or a stubby or somebody wouldn't be coming back in the staff, but at least at right now, it sounds like they expect everybody to return. And then the addition of whatever bench coach they have. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's uh, I kind of thought, I felt it, I, it was funny during the initial pr- press conference or release or however, the zoom meeting, whenever they fired Schilt, that they were made so many comments about, they expected everybody else to return. And, mm-hmm. and then to lead to this to where they haven't said anything. And, and it, this probably prompted, you know, we, we've talked about this on every, every year we've done a show, how interesting a lot of that end of the season meetings, yeah. you know, they turn out to be probably more than any other organization. I, I don't know, but, but uh, yeah, it, it's funny because the, the breakdown will, will say a lot and the way that it has been handled, it raises more questions than anything. Um, and you you wonder how soon after the World Series are they going to um, announce the staff and and then answer questions about who's coming back? So you know it, it, it could be pretty crazy. Yeah, it could be. Um, you know, that's it's just a an interesting thing to to watch. And you're right; those you know those meetings are always interesting. Obviously, we're very much so interesting this time. Mo in the you know the press conference to hire. Uh, Ali Mamal mentions that, you know, one, he didn't expect to have a new manager this year. That even when he left yeah. Los Angeles, they did not have any indication that they were going to be making a change. Um, and while he tried to, you know, it's kind of funny, I think to me, it's like, oh, we realize we haven't really said a lot about this philosophical differences. So, you know, we'll clear this up by saying they're internal issues. Well, I don't think that's a thing. Yeah. Um, but it, it really does sound like there was some sort of fissure that had started and whatever they did in this, you know, open forum type meetings, uh, they either found out something they didn't like about what Mike Schilt had been doing, or there really was this idea of we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And he said, nah, I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z. And, and they said, well, <laughs> we'll find somebody that can I think you're right in the fact that if they didn't have Ali Momol sitting right there, they might have been a little bit more hesitant to get rid of Mike Schilt, that they might have said, let's see if we can work this out. Um, but with a guy that is, like you said, in, in such demand and a guy that they have, you know, they really kind of, I'm, you know, it's, it's honestly, there's a possibility they hired Mike Schilt just to kind of fill the gap until Ali Momol was ready. And they just decided to, push that readiness up a little early. Sorry about that. Yeah, that makes, that makes a ton of sense. I wondered about that. It, uh, I, I don't know. I felt like that was crazy and you're exactly right. It went from, I didn't expect to hire a new manager to this and this to, I had a, or I have a feeling that that phone call to fire shit was probably pretty eventful. Yeah. You know, you can just kind of tell by demeanor on both guys how, how, uh, how they carried it to that phone call may not have been, you know, safe for work essentially. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense that, that Shilp may have been the placeholder until Marmol was ready. And, uh, it, I, managerial stuff is so strange. And is it, a, is it, when it, 
what's the likelihood that this situation is one where we think, oh, we should have saw that one coming? Or is it going to be the murky area this whole time? You know, if that's, I don't know if that question even makes sense. I just, I, I just I wonder, it, it's funny, only, our uh, Buster Olney's tweet is what sets out my mind of, there's, there was rumblings in, in about mid-August that, that Schilt may have been in trouble. Now, was that before the winning streak and when they were still playing pretty poorly? Or was there really legit questions of, hey, I'm not so certain this is copacetic. Yeah, that's an interesting, I don't know that I saw that tweet, but, you know, um, that's an interesting thing to think about, you know, was that, yeah, was a report like that, you know, when you look at it in hindsight, there might have been something to it. At the time, you're right, it's kind of a, all the fans are grumping about him, so, you know, maybe, uh, maybe that's what the, you know, front office is thinking. Yeah. Which is not the way the Cardinals do things. Sure. But that doesn't mean that the national press necessarily understands that that's the way the Cardinals don't do things. Yeah, um, and yeah, we see we see that quite a bit, you know. And that's that was kind of what I thought as well. I was like, well, is that kind of just jumping on board here, or is this? Uh, did they really know that there was a split somewhere? Yeah, yeah, and that it would be very interesting. But then again, I mean, given the fact that, given the fact that Mo is talking about how he didn't expect to be changing managers, I have a feeling that anything that they were talking about in August was a little bit overblown like they, yeah. they may have known that there were issues and there were people that were button heads um but i don't think i don't think that if the cardinals miss the playoffs that mike schilt necessarily loses his job um now obviously in this situation you know with the other issues on top of that yes but um you know it's just uh you know it had to be something more than just the team not performing there for a while um so Marmol hired again, not a big surprise. Um, 35 years old, which is ridiculously <laughs> young. Yeah. For me. Um, you know, and, and younger than Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. And I thought, I thought Ollie addressed that pretty well and basically said, look, if you can do the job and you can care about your players and you are in a relationship with them, they don't necessarily care about your age. If you aren't doing your job, if you aren't putting your players first, if you aren't, you know, if you don't have the thing in the clubhouse, it doesn't matter what your age is either. Um, you know, that doesn't really mean a lot. We'll see how well that works. I think it's probably true because I'm sure that he's got the support of guys like Wainwright and Molina, which goes a long way. Um, I don't know that that would be the case in every clubhouse, but I think it could work in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. You're, you're probably right. That may be one of the few. I mean, if it was on the coast, it would. This would be a bigger deal. I mean, and you know, it's funny you bring up the the age. I knew that he was young. I didn't realize he was that yeah. that younger than forty. You know, whenever they whenever they named it, because it seems like he's been around for ten years. You know, that's well, the yeah. strange. You know, and that's the strange thing about it. You're just like, wow. I mean, he got out of the game quick and went right into the. Uh, managerial side or administration side of this too. It's pretty crazy. But I mean, that just shows that, you know, if you feel like that, uh, you know, say if you, if, if somebody walks up to you and you feel like they're a leader, they're pretty easy to follow, you know, and that's, uh, I felt like they did that with Shield as well. Yeah. And I will say, you know, Marwell put himself out there very well. Um, yeah. I, I think that um, I don't see any particular reason why players wouldn't want to play for him. I mean, there's going to be, there's going to be some, you know, some learning curves. There's going to be some, Hey, he used to be my coach. Now he's my manager. There's a little bit different relationship there. Um, there's going to be some adjustments on everybody's side, but you know, I don't think if the Cardinals don't make the playoffs next year, it's not because Ali Momol is the manager. I don't think, I think it's, you know, I think he can do just as good of a job as Mike Schilt. He just doesn't necessarily have all that experience, but and, and I think that's what's going to be interesting, right? I mean, so often a guy like this would get some sort of grizzled veteran bench coach, right? Yeah. You know, like, a, I don't know, like a Tony LaRusso you know, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I know what you mean, though. Yeah. But I don't see that the Cardinals doing that because a guy like that is probably going to kind of kick against the goads of of what the Cardinals organization is trying to do. I mean, that's kind of why we saw Mike Schilt leave. So, yeah. Um, 
you know, it feels to me like you're probably going to get a guy, a younger guy with a little bit less experience in that role again. And I guess it's not unheard of. I mean, Shield had more experience than Matheny, but he wasn't necessarily a, you know, a, a major league veteran. Yeah. So have you seen that Bob Melvin took the Padres job? I saw that right before we started. Okay. Which makes me wonder about Skip a little bit. Uh, but for some reason, I don't know why that – it doesn't make sense. I, it just doesn't feel like a fit if he was he was, if he was a legitimate manager candidate there, you know, for them not to take him. You know, I don't know. You know, somebody had thrown out Tingler, and for the longest time I didn't have the best feeling on Tingler. I didn't feel like he the, – the Grand Slam saga, he ha- handled it the best last year, and, right. and I didn't get a, a very good feeling about him, but – you know, I was listening to the uh, you know the Hunter Pence podcast, and they were raving about him. But I don't think that that's necessarily the move that they would make either to bring in a guy with just a few years of uh, managerial uh, experience and and not necessarily the best. Um, I don't know that I I'm very curious to see the whole staff. I mean, that, that's kind of that cloud that's hanging over us right now because I, I think it's going to be interesting when it comes out. Yeah, I. I agree. I know there was some talk about, you know, Tingler as the managerial candidate here, which did seem weird, Yeah. but you know, it's again, it's a situation where the Padres are a team that has, has embraced some of this analytical stuff that the Cardinals are trying to do. So bringing somebody over from that organization is not unheard of. Now, I think you'd probably better, I think you'd probably try to rather bring somebody from the Dodgers or Tampa Bay or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I don't know that there's any of those guys available either. Yeah. And I, you know what? And it's the Tingler move to me is the antithesis of, uh, of Marmol because he was essentially fired because he lost the clubhouse and, and underperformed this year. And, you know, wasn't the leader they expected him to be where Marmol is being elevated because that's exactly what they wanted him to be, you know? And it's just that I don't know why it just doesn't seem like an, it, it would seem like an odd fit to bring in Tingler with what we know about Marmol now. I honestly think, you know, it's probably 95% chance that Stubby Clapp is the bench coach. And then they bring in a first base coach, you know, know, and let somebody work up that way. Or maybe they promote a a coach. I mean, the Cardinals have done a lot of this internal stuff that, you know, they could promote somebody like, you know, Ben Johnson from Memphis or somebody like that to be the first base coach. Um, I, I don't know. It would be nice, I think... You know, we've talked about this before, how the Cardinals don't necessarily have a whole lot of ideas coming from the outside. Um, so it wouldn't hurt to have somebody that came in that just had a little bit different perspective of how to do things. Um, and, you know, maybe that's where, you know, first base coach didn't necessarily have a whole lot of pull with what the what things are doing done, but they do have a, a way to input. And this is a team that is saying, at least, that they want this big collaboration between the front office and the staff and all this other stuff. So to get a guy in here that, you know, at least has some experience from something else, uh, couldn't be a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It goes back to how we had talked about and you'd written about, uh, they were a little too insular and they never looked outside and that would be interesting. And you know what? I, I, I'm a little bit, one, I would be happy for, for stubby clap if he gets the, if he gets the gig, you know, and, uh, it would, I feel like it would to be able to mesh all those things together. I think would be a testament to the to the front office. I would like to see that happen. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking I would love to see a Okendo type or a Pendleton type, or one of those guys back in the dugout, and you would see McGee stay and in 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 stuff like that. I've in in a situation like that, I feel like claps the next in line, and that's kind of like how Schilt was. So. I don't know. It, it's right. There's. I always think, well, it just looked weird to have those guys in the dugout, but I've gotten rather used to Mike Maddox in the dugout by now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just you, seeing a new face would take a little bit of time, but, um, but yeah, I, I think that you're, I think it's probably, like I said, you probably do story. You probably don't have a lot of changes, but it feels like at some point in time, and that's kind of why I thought this might be the, We've kind of, I think Ben and Ben and I may have talked about this two weeks ago. Um, this idea of 
you know, Jeff Albert is over the hitting staff and, and Marmol has said, Hey, I'm on board with what Jeff Albert's doing. We just, we may have to tinker the message, but I'm on board with what he's doing. It, it feels like it's getting real close to time for the Cardinals to do something like that on the pitching side, to get a guy that's maybe the major league pitching coach, but that is in charge of philosophy throughout up and down the organization. And it kind of feels like this would have been in the time to do that. I don't know what Mike Maddox's contract situation is. I keep trying to search for it. I can't ever figure out if he's got another year or so on his contract. I'm guessing he probably does. But, you know, it feels like this would be a time where they could go, you know, and start that procedure as well. And maybe they want to get a little bit more a footing on their, you know, on the, on the hitting side before they do this pitching wise. But eventually... I, I can't believe that they're not going to have some sort of pitching coordinator, if you will, that's in charge of the philosophy from top up, you know, all the way down to the bottom. Um, and so there can be that consistency all the way up and down, just like they're doing on the hitting side. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, especially all the talks we do, all the things we've heard about lab and Jupiter and, and, you know, all that, all that jazz that we've heard for years that, you know, I w- would say, well, it still hadn't happened, but we also had the pandemic year and you just never know how much that played a part. But, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I had not thought about that, about uh, how there's going to come a time where they're going to have to go top to bottom, just a full ideology. And that would it would have made a lot of sense. Um, it, it begs the question of why Carpenter got away so easy. You know what I mean? If Is that part of it? Would that are they going to go from ground zero to build something, or you know, is it just year to year with what they have now? I don't know. I do know that you know Kyle Body, who's you know from Driveline, um, his agreement with the Reds, you know, they broke that off. Yeah, he's not working yeah. with the Reds anymore, and that's the guy that I would like to see the Cardinals. You know, he's not a, like a pitching coach. I don't think you make him the pitching coach, um, but put him in charge of everything, you know, and see what you can do. Cause I think he's had a whole lot of success. Um, although maybe not as much with the Reds, but you can only do so much with what you have and where the, that ballpark is. Um, I think that's, you know, something like that, but, um, at some point in time, I think they're going to have to have to do that because we're not seeing the minor league pitching like we used to. I mean, granted that's a lot of that's because of the trades that have been made. Um, but, you know, they went through so many arms this year and there's not anybody that's, you know, just ready to make that next step. So maybe leave it to it. I know Zach Thompson's having a good uh, Arizona Fall League, but I feel like he's still got some time. It doesn't feel like there's that depth that we've known before. Um, and it may just take somebody to, to kind of get everybody in line and, and take that next step um, in development there. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's so funny how how the game has has has, has gone to that. You know, it's uh, there's I mean, it's almost like I don't even know how to say it. it it's there's so much behind the scenes work that it's almost it, it's it's almost like a foreign language to learn it. You know what I mean? The programming stuff and and it's it is it's pretty crazy the way the game's trending right now. And you know, when you see Zaidi succeed like he did this year. I think that kind of ramps it up a little bit for everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like what 20 plus years ago when Billy Bean started drafting people that walk, you yeah. know I mean? Yeah. 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 That, and that was successful. Everybody started doing that and it, it, it changed the game and <laughs> it feels like that's what this is what we're doing right now is, is getting into that next evolution of sabermetrics. Yeah. And you, you know, it's funny, even on, on the gameplay side of this, I mean, I, I uh, I talk about this all the time that where I loved the playoff series back in the eighties and early nineties where your horse went went game one four and seven that's just how it worked and you fit in around that well now they bullpen two or five you know and it's 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 just it's completely crazy how things have changed yeah and it'll be interesting to see if. You know, the Dodgers had some of those issues this year, and it blew up on them. We'll see. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I never want to see anybody get hurt. But the way that I look at how the Dodgers did is they got a little too cute with their pitching, and they ran out They ran out of gas completely with uh, with uh, U.S. And, and Max. You know, it's – so hopefully that kind of trends back a little bit. But I'm, I don't know. I think you may see the Braves win a World Series with only two starters. Yeah, that's, that's a possibility. Yeah. Um, 
I, I, yeah, I don't know. That's the game is always changing. And yeah. Always evolving. I mean, you watch, you know, watching some of these videos, like they, you know, because it's this time of year, right? It's, you know, 25 years ago today or 30 years ago today, something happened. Because yeah. It's, it's, it's always World Series going on. And so it gets us a few days ago. They had the, you know, the game six for the Mets where Mookie Wilson hits the ball at the line. And you, you look at the players from that. And of course, you can watch those Cardinals teams from the 87 and 85 and all that kind of stuff. Those guys, you know, are like toothpick. I mean, they look like a yeah. guy that, that, you know, works with you out at the, you know, yeah. at, the, at the plant or whatever the case. They didn't look like what we now think of as professional ballplayers. I mean, they just they don't have that look to them. Um, and the game has changed. The game has gotten into, you know, weightlifting and, and figuring out how to, to become stronger and, you know, and the money's in that helps with that regard too. But, <coughs> you know, so it's always going to change. And, you, you know, you just got to be willing to do that. And you want to be on the, one of the ones that's kind of on the forefront. And I don't think the, the Cardinals have let this get past them a little bit. They've talked about it a lot. They've talked about the kinetic chain for, for years, uh, they had that man. They even had that what that artist or something for a while that was supposed to be like drawing the players and trying to you know to see how they were you know how they were mechanically and stuff like that. And they, they've tried to do some stuff, but they've not been at the front lines of it like Tampa Bay, like the Dodgers and things of that nature. Is they're trying to catch up, and it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's uh, I I don't know why I say this every year, but I feel like the Tampa, I feel like they dimmed a little bit just because of the fact that they're showing that they're kind of in that A's mode where they're going to win 90 to 100, but they can't get anywhere past that. And, uh, you know, they were in the World Series last year, and you're already starting to hear that. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's ever-evolving, which is interesting, and it's awesome. That's what that's the beauty of baseball. And it's just it's just funny. Just I, Whenever we have these conversations, I think back to the time that we had that meeting to where he had said that they felt like they were being – being passed up in innovation and that was going to be Mo's job and they were going to start bailing from the top. And then they bring in Albert. And like you said, they're probably going to bring in a a new pitching coordinator somewhere down the line. And, you know, we think so we, we think I would not we as in the, you and I, but you know, the Cardinal fan base thinks, you know, Gersh doesn't do anything, but he was requested by the Mets as it was everybody else. But, but uh, you know they're obviously doing something right. It's just going to take that uh, that next step to get over to uh, kind of win over just about everybody. Yeah, I think I just got a call from the Mets. Hang on, man. What a weird deal. Uh, what a weird situation. And, and I mean, it's a tough. I mean, granted, that's a that's a. I mean, it's a huge media market, so you know you're getting into that mess. You've got an owner that's very hands on and not necessarily steeped in baseball. Yeah, I mean, not that. I mean, I think Cohen can be a good owner. I mean, you know, coming off of the um, Wilpons, he's definitely going to be better than them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you do have that. And then you have a whole situation where you don't know who else is going to be there and how long. And, and it feels like anybody they hire then, you know, gets arrested. Um, so. No, you yeah. feel. I know that they're going to bring in a new front office guy, but I feel like Beltrani gets that managerial job. That's an interesting idea. I hadn't really thought about that, yeah. but it would make some sense. Um, with Cora, Cora playing his cards right, with um, Hinch, you know, seemingly being forgiven, with the with the Astros back in the in the series. I don't know. I just feel like Beltran gets another shot at that. I think that's fair. I think right now it feels like Beltran's the one that's been punished the most, and it, it does sound like he might have had a fairly active role yeah. in this. So it's not like it's necessarily unjust, but it sure. does feel like some have had more involvement and had less punishment. So maybe so. I mean, you're right. If, if Cora and Hinch especially can get back into baseball, like within a year and Cora with exactly the same team. I mean, yeah. Just, you know, yeah. I mean, like a, that's like the Michael Jordan to the, the white Sox type of thing, you know? And, yeah. Um, so yeah, if they can do that, I don't see why they wouldn't look at Beltran if they liked him. I mean, again, the, everybody is different than they were when he got that. You know, three or four years ago, he actually had that job. So there may be not necessarily the people that are fond of him <laughs> or thought about him beforehand. Those dogs, they, um, they do not agree with this Beltran move. I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> 
some sort of possum outside. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, that'd be interesting. I, I think that that's fair. I don't, I haven't seen anything tied to that, but I don't think I've seen anything tied to the front office or they're looking at the front office guys and then they get to the manager part. Yeah. A whole lot of names tied to that. Yeah. So, um, it is interesting. And I saw somebody point out that, you know, Schilt was a guy that was looked at for San Diego. He might fit even better in Oakland. Yeah. Um, you know, depending on, depending on things that philosophical differences are, because again, it's a situation where Oakland has been fairly advanced in some of these analytical stuff. Um, but if that's depending on what those differences were, it, it would seem like that's a great place for him, you know, lesser media and stuff like that. Um, does that make sense to you? Sure. Sure. And it was funny. I, I hadn't, hadn't thought about that backfill because I was going to ask you the question that is, does Schilt go in and some, does he fit in, in a player development role behind the scenes a little bit? If this Padres job gets filled, you know, by going with Melvin. But then I thought about that. I was like, well, yeah, the, the Oakland jobs is available. And my first reaction always goes back to Ron Washington, just because I feel like the spotlight's on him, especially with Atlanta playing the way that they are, that he's going to get a not, another shot somewhere in the American League West where he's been before, in particular Oakland. Makes a lot of sense. But somebody like Shil Wood, you know, being successful and shown that he has – Worked a uh, worked the front office before, and it sounds like Bean will be staying, and and maybe there is some connection there. Now, I'm not sure that that would seem to be a good play. I would think for the A's. Yeah, does Schilt go back to the minor leagues if he needs if that somebody comes up to him to say we want you to manage our AAA team? Would he rather do that than sit out of baseball? Because part of me feels like he's really tied to being in baseball somewhere, and he's yeah. done the minor league thing before. Yeah, I could see that. I could see him being a roving instructor for somebody to where it's just not the same bus ride, you know, schedule of uh, of a triple A team. I could see that. I mean, I, I fully think that he's going to be back in baseball next year. I mean, but that with I, I have very little doubt that that's going to happen in, in some capacity like that. And, and in a farm director type role, that does make sense. Yeah. And, or on a co- on somebody's coaching staff. He yeah. He doesn't have a top job because yeah. we know, you know, he can – he can get people, he can turn the team around. I mean, at least in the fundamentals. Um, so if you're, you know, if you need that, that would work for him. Um, let's shift gears a little bit. The other thing we got news today were the uh, finalists for the Gold Glove Awards. And, you know, whatever you believe of the Gold Gloves, which is probably fair, it is still nice to see, you know, when the Cardinals are in the mix for those. It's a little bit weird. I'm still not quite adjusted this whole, you know, finalist thing, you know, and that they announced three guys and then they'll announce the awards later on, you know, back when, you know, back in our day, you know, you just kind of got all the awards at one time and not always uh, was it more than a press release, but Cardinals had six uh, different guys uh, as a finalist for the, the gold glove and, you know, six out of nine, you can't really complain about that. If you've got guys and, and, you know, shortstop, they, you know, between the split between, DeYoung and Sosa, neither one of those guys probably, uh, you know, really available or uh, eligible. And, uh, you know, Carlson maybe could have been in that mix. But, you know, they pretty much kind of maxed out what they could do, and that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, we knew they were a good defensive team. I I was guessing five finalists, mm-hmm. and I think they may win five. It's, and I didn't really think about Edmund until he came out today. So I, I, that's going to be interesting. Um, don't you think that they'll have the double in the outfield? Well, if they had the double in the outfield, I would think that Arnauto and Goldschmidt are locks too. So yeah, I think could, be yeah, so you think that would be the four? Yeah, because I think you know, I think I was very much like you, very surprised at Edmund. I don't see him beating out Colton Wong. No, uh, no. And then I think Yadi's was a little bit of name recognition, a little bit of, I don't know how many catchers were actually, you know, eligible to some degree who play enough back there as other teams kind of split their stuff. Um, not that Yachty was bad, but he definitely wasn't as defensively yeah. swift. As he's been. So I'd be, and he hasn't won in a couple of years now. So I don't, I think it would take something specific, really like a really good year 
for him to jump back into it. So I think, yeah, I think the corners and I think they get both outfields, but I don't think they get Edmund or, or Molina. Yeah, that's that would be my guess if we did it. I now, who is the third catcher with Molina and Stallings? Uh, I know I, it's I can't I think of it either. Um, it was uh, oh, real, real Muto, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, he'll probably he'll probably win it. I was thinking this could be the year a guy like Stallings could win, but I don't know. Yeah. I bet it's JT. Yeah, it's it's you know last year they did the go gloves completely by yeah statistics just because of the weirdness that was twenty twenty. I don't know how much that plays into it this year if it's all the voting like it used to be with the players and such. In which case, you know, reputation does mean a lot. Uh, you know. Yeah, I've you know, Stallings would seem to be a kind of a guy that could be on the up and comer. But you're right. He, if if it's got anything to do with name recognition, he has a a tough road to hoe. Um, now it does look like this year it is back to the the managers and up to six coaches. So um, it's back to you know, and so that could that could be an issue for you know that might help Yachty. Um, it would probably help him more if people had not, if he hadn't said he's coming back next year, um, he might win one next year just as a going away present. But, um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting because I think <clears throat> there's a lot of good opportunities for the Cardinals and there's a lot of good, a lot of good players overall though. I mean, um, I, I would be, like I said, if Edmund won, Edmund had a nice year at second base, but I, I don't think it was necessarily, you know, the best out there ever. No, no. I mean, it, it, I was surprised. I completely when it when it when the news broke this afternoon, and I was like, "Oh, interesting." You know, that's uh, that's pretty awesome. We knew that they defended almost like no other, and it kind of shows. But uh, but yeah, that one kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, if they had a team award, they would definitely be. Yeah, it's crazy. Julian for that. So, um, but. Yeah, and I'm like I said, I didn't expect Dylan Carlson to because he had a little bit of struggles early on. Um, but I don't think I think one of these years he's probably at least a finalist. Um, you know, as he continues to get his you know feet wet as you will in the major leagues. I mean, we saw that play again. He made against the Padres, right, crashing into the wall. Yeah. Um, I think he can make plays like that on a regular basis too. So. No, I agree. And it's, uh, you know, it's funny. I wonder how much if they, you know, I know they go by yeah how they, I, I, they did, they went back to the traditional way of doing this instead of, you know, just breaking it down through uh, the analytical side of it. Um, I, I think he was probably hurt by playing center a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, I think the longer he stays in right field, I think his chances go up considerably. Well, he's also probably hurt, uh, just to be fair, by the fact that O'Neill and Bader were so good. Yeah, because yeah, that's true. If you're, if, if you're voting on this stuff, you're like, well, I, I got to vote for O'Neill and and I got to vote for Bader, but I can't vote for the whole Cardinal outfield. You know, I you know I gotta you know take it off somewhere. Um, and I think that that might have hurt him a little bit too. Is that people? Some people might have been like, hey, he's good, but I can't. You know, these guys are better, and I can't. I gotta give some love to somebody else. So. Um, We'll see how that works out, but it was it was interesting to see that. And it's like I said, the Cardinals are a team that have won the most Gold Gloves uh, in their history, and um, you know had the most nominees this time around. So um, that is the Cardinals' DNA, if you will. Uh, and it's good to, it's good to see them back back to that. Yeah, without a doubt. And it's that uh, I I don't think that we'll probably see uh, a, a, any kind of dip. But that was one concern that I have is the difference that Schilt made on that in the base running. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, Marmol made a point to, to note how much yeah. both those things and how I think their, their intent is at least to try to keep that up. They weren't, they're not just going to let it go. I think they know how much work it took. And so hopefully, hopefully that's the case. So, um, so, to kind of, this is, I know we're at about the 40 minute mark, but this may take a bit. I'm so going to say to wrap this up, there was, um, you know, as I said earlier, this time of year, there's always, you know, milestones and histories and things of that nature. And the, the, tonight is the 10th anniversary of the Cardinals winning the, the 2011 World Series. In fact, you know, this time 
this time 10 years ago, they're probably in the, what, the third or fourth inning. When <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was kind of trying to trying to make it through the rest of the way. Um, so that means that ten years from tomorrow, uh, you know, it's over a decade since the Cardinals have won a World Series. Mm-hmm. We often talk about the Dewitt era as a success, and it and it is. I mean, but but we look at this from '96 on, and we look at how successful the Cardinals have been, and you know, two titles and and all that kind of stuff. If you were going to narrow that window down to the day after, ten years ago tomorrow, to today, how successful is that last ten years? They have a World Series appearance. They went to the playoffs seven times, I think, out of that. Um, but they also had a lot of, you know. They lost in the first, you know, the playoff game this year. They lost in the first round last year. They had that, you know, flame out against the Nationals in 19. How do you judge the last 10 years? I would rather be a Cardinals fan than a Mariners fan. Well, that's true. That is very true. I mean, I to me, that's successful. I mean, that's uh, – you get beat by two – the team that beat you in two NLCS uh, win the World Series. You and the Giants. Yeah. Um, you make it to a World Series with a all right with. Mm, you probably feel like you should probably beat the Red Sox at that, but you did make the World Series, and you had the three years without the playoffs, and you know, you you're right back in it with an NLCS appearance. So I don't know. It's tough for me to not say that that's not a great run. And that's and, and I guess that's probably not the best question to ask because it is. I mean, you look at that, but you also look at it as I don't know, maybe not as great as it could have been. I mean, again, you have those three years that really kind of stand out. You have the uh, the whole Matheny era, which had playoff appearances, but also had a lot of frustrations in them. You have that 2015 team that felt like it should have done a lot more than lose to the Cubs in three. I mean, you have a series, you have a playoff series lost to the Cubs in that span. That's terrible. <laughs> that, that, that goes really far on one way to the scale when you're losing to the Cubs. But um, so I, I'm not saying that it's not, you know, no, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't that, but you, you just start thinking about it and you start thinking it's definitely, if you took that 10 years and compared it to the 10 years before, which is better? I mean, the ten years before has two World Series, but yeah. it has two or three game, two or three years out of the playoffs. Because um, that's what two thousand and one to two thousand and eleven, or I guess technically two thousand and two to two thousand and eleven. So that's got um, you're out of it in 03. You've got the flight, you know. You do have a series in 04, you have a series in 06, you have a series in 11, you're out of the World Series in 10, you have that playoff loss in 09, out of the playoffs in 08. What would you do? I mean, between those two, it's, it's kind of a, I mean, again, you're right. It's better, Those either one of those are like ideal for teams like Pittsburgh or Seattle or even, heck, the last 10 years, the Yankees would probably take yeah, the Cardinals. Yeah, that's true. Um, but what, what, if you had to compare those two decades, where, where would you go? Mm. You can, it's going to be hard to go against two world series titles, mm-hmm. you know? So the, the, the early would probably be for me, but, but it, it's still, I don't know. I just feel like we, we're the spoiled fan when we break these down a little bit, you know, I mean, it, it's pretty tough and, but that's, that's just what we do. So I don't know. I mean, and you know, it's funny when we talk about, uh, I understand the Mo frustration and I I am a believer in message growing stale. And I do think that they're a believer in that as well. And I think that's why they try to promote Gersh to do the things that he does, why Mo can do the things that he does in development and still address the media like he does. Uh, And I think that those changes are to avoid becoming stale. 
but I think that there's plenty out there and there may be uh, enough evidence to show that maybe that maybe things do need to change just a little bit. You know, I, I'm not sure, but it's tough to argue with the track record overall. No, that's absolutely true. I mean, the idea that John Mosellock has been a failure is would be a, a terrible position to try to stake out. I know that some people, some people tend to argue that he has been less successful as of late. I, I don't know. Maybe you can make that case yeah. a little bit more. But, you know, again, the really the only way we can judge managers and general managers is how the team does at the end of the day yeah. to some degree. And that's, you know, to some degree not necessarily fair because even if the general manager or the manager does the right things, the team might not win. It might just be, you know, a better to run into a better team or whatever. But, you know... If, if that's the case, you know, John Mozellock's had his team in the playoffs the last three years. They haven't, you know, one division title out of that, too. It's not just, just been sneaking in. They've got to, you know, they've, they've been successful. So, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting to me that when you look at this last 10 and, you know, again, no World Series, which, you know, they didn't. This this 10 years is much better than the 90s. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, all you had in the 90s was Mark McGuire um, and that that 96 team, I guess. Um, so it, 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 granted, you're right. It is. A, and it comes from a place of, of privilege and spoiling, but um, it is just kind of interesting to kind of compare and look at a decade like that. Cause it's, you know, hard to believe that it's been 10 years. I know that's what I put up on Twitter. It's like, why is everybody saying this has been 10 years? This was like three weeks ago. You know I mean? It doesn't feel like a whole decade since David freeze became David freeze. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I and I, I was like, let me just met, look up World Series champions just to see the time between and whatnot. And yeah, here's my thing: Do we make it another 15 years before they go back to a World Series? That would be the the distance between '87 to um, to uh, 2004. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're not gonna go. Well, I know it's tough to say. I mean, because you see. Some of the you know the teams that you feel like are going to make a pretty serious run on it, and I don't I know, think, it's tough. I think that the Cardinals would feel, especially with Paul Goldschmidt, and Noah yeah, Leonardo, if they're not in the World Series in the next five years, they're in trouble. Yeah, because they've put a lot of eggs in those guys' baskets, and I know they've got some young talent coming up and stuff like that. But if they can't get a title with those two guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, then I don't know. Um, and again, I know that they're getting older and that baseball the, is a situation where, you yeah, it's just how the ball bounces sometimes. Yeah. But if nothing else, they should have a world series capable team. Yeah. Over the next five years. And right now you can make that argument. They don't have that. Um, which is, you know, kind of gets us into maybe what they should do this winter, um, depending on what their money situation, you know, there, there's enough money to do some things, obviously. Um, what would it take, do you think, for this team to be a World Series capable team come March? I think that you will probably have to get. And I'm not saying going and getting one of the top short stops, but I think that you probably need – I think that the game has shown in the World Series in particular, definitely in the NLCS, that you have to have depth and you have to have guys that can play at a moment's notice. I think that they're going to have to add, if not one, if not two guys that could be MLB-ready players that are net, that just short of stars to fill out the roster. I don't think they could roll the same bench out. And I think that you can get one starter, one significant starter, and I think that you would be the class of the central. And at that point, I think that you're probably one of the best in baseball. It, it's one of the it's just, the thing that in my mind this whole time is I keep thinking that the Braves are in the World Series and they could be better next year. You know, injuries really affected them, and then the gamble on who they went and picked up at the deadline. Um, which leads me to something else. The, the gamble they took at the deadline is what put, put them over the top. 
they are going to have to be aggressive at the deadline at some point. You know, they're going to say they were this year, but this year was one of those, hey, uh, we're going to roll the dice and see if this works. And it did. You know, it was to get through the season. Yeah, it was out of necessity, not necessarily out of, of uh, you know, out. I, I don't want to say will, but yeah, I, I think we're on the same page on that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that uh, that will be some of the things that I think they'll have to do. I think the, that you can expect a season similar to what Arenado had this year. I think that your outfield has kind of established itself to where you're probably not going to make – you may not have an MVP-type season again out of O'Neal. But I think that you could see now that their patience is kind of paying off on that. And we've, we haven't seen the best of Carlson yet either. Um, I think that you're going to have to get some depth, and I think that you're going to have to get – get. I think you're going to have to fortify that rotation a little bit more. And I think that you could see now that uh, teams can win with – with a large number of pitchers and the way that they handle the minimal times through the lineup. And I think you can be creative and I think that you're closer to being really, really good than you were a year ago. And to be fair, you know, we talked about it. I think if they get past the Dodgers this year, they had a, they had as good a chance to get to the, yeah. of the world. No, I agree. I completely agree. You know, maybe I owned a right to the Giants, but the Cardinals did go, what, four out of four and two against yeah. them this year. Um, and then, you know, you then you're looking at, well, apparently Atlanta. And, and that might have been a problem, too. You know, I mean, there's always I'm not saying that they would have been favored in any stretch, but I think you could see a path to where they could get there this year. Yeah. Um, um Just and I mean, look at you're right. Anything could happen. I mean. Rosario was traded in his down year when he was hurt and, and has done things that he's done. I mean, those things can happen. You never know. That could happen with the Cardinals. I mean, look, we didn't see I, – I know time was limited, but Flaherty starts one of those five games, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and you never know how that goes. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the kicker right there for next year is – if Jack Flaherty can stay healthy, which I don't think we have any indication that he can't. I mean, he had a bad year in that yeah. part this year, but there's, you know, if he stays healthy and you get a number two or number three starter, and then you have Adam Wainwright, and then, I mean, yeah, then you have a Miles Michaelis as a four, and, you know, whatever you can do in that fifth spot. I mean, you don't have to revamp your whole starting line. You know, one, one good pitcher can make an impact right there. Just kind of like they would, you know, with one good, you know, putting Trevor Story in that lineup. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean. That's the name that keeps popping out to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, there's an interesting article about Story in The Athletic this week about, you know, how he kind of seems to have already, you know, mentally left Colorado. Um, And he said something about wanting, um what was it? it was, you know, of course the money was a big part of it, obviously, but it was also, you know, geography. It was tradition or, no, or uh, you know, clubhouse and, and winning basically. And it, it was something where I looked at that. And I was like, you know, his geography is, I think from, you know, I think he's from Texas, you know, St. Louis is not bad off of that. Yeah. All the, the St. Louis checked all his boxes. Yeah, exactly. Um, doesn't mean other teams won't. And it doesn't mean that they will give the money that other teams will. You know, because especially, you know, the Rangers may be a yeah. player. But you could see that. And I think, you know, we've talked a lot about Corey Seager or even Carlos Correa. You know, I'm not going to say that they would not be great in St. Louis because they probably would be. But for some reason, story feels like a better, you know, just feels like the fit that would work the best in St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe that's you know that some of that Arenado <laughs> leftover haze or something, but uh, it just feels like from what we know of Trevor Story, he would fit in with this clubhouse um, maybe better than the others. I mean, Korea, of course, Korea obviously comes with its own baggage, um, and Seeker's probably going to be too expensive. But yeah, um, Story seems to make some sense there. Yeah, that's I, I completely agree with that. It's uh, the, the top two are going to price themselves out. You know, Korea is going to make a lot, a lot of money, and then. I at, for and you know until we looked at it a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking that Seeger probably wouldn't make what he will what 
yeah, I think he's going to make a ton, <laughs> you know, and it's one of those, I think they press themselves out. As far as a left-handed bat and all that, I think that, that uh, Seager would be a, fit, a pretty good fit. I think you have a little bit of redundancy with Story, but uh, I think I think Trevor Story is what they wanted Paul DeYoung to become. And I, and it's, I think that this is kind of fell into their lap a little bit to where they may have to make that move. And in the back of my mind, I keep thinking, well, what does that do with Gorman coming? And uh, I know we have all off season to break that stuff down, but uh, but I do think that that would be the uh, the move that they would make if they were to make the big splash would be story. Yeah, you're right. You you said that about about Paul DeYoung, and I think I remember, you know, his his rookie year. There was that comparison, right? That it was he wasn't Trevor Story, but he was kind of you know the generic brand of him, if you will. Yeah. And, and he, you know, it obviously hasn't necessarily stayed that way, but um, I just, I think if there, there weren't any uh, big shortstops out there, if there were only one big shortstop out there, the Cardinals would be fine to try to figure out some sort of playing time between Sosa and, and DeYoung, but with four, you know, kind of franchise altering guys. And, you know, I don't, I really don't think they're going to go after a guy like Javi Baez. So, yeah, <laughs> but still, yeah, somebody will. And to have a chance to get a guy that can be the, you know, another cornerstone and, and a guy that, um, you know, they've gone out and gotten cornerstones in Goldschmidt and Arenado, but if they went and got a story, he'd be like two or three years younger than those guys when they got him, And that's, that's a big, big deal, you know, to get somebody that's kind of starting or more in the middle of their prime than closer to the end um, makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, you're right about that. It just in the back of my mind, I keep thinking the same thing. Is uh, yeah, they could probably play it safe, but it does feel like that these guys staring right in their face, they're going to need to probably do something, you know. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, I I kind of feel that way. The, the Gorman thing is the one that that is just in the back of my mind, to where mm-hmm. I feel like when he plays, he's going to play every day, and. Yep. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. This I thought an interesting article out of Seattle was the. It was just a blog post about their interest in say uh, Tommy Edmond, and you just you wonder if that would be a sell high type situation. I don't know. Boy, I tell you, I think if you could get, there are not a whole lot of guys on the Cardinals that could sell high. Yeah, that you'd want to sell high on. I mean, you could you could try to you could trade Taylor Tyler O'Neill, but why would you want to? Right? Yeah. But if you could trade Tommy Edmund and get something of value back, oh, I think you'd have to do it. As much as, as much as it would be nice to have that versatility off the bench, if Gorman is coming to play second base, which it looks like he is, and yeah. it looks like it won't be very long, um, I think you do that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't see how you don't. Um, I just don't know what kind of you know, what kind of market that is. Well, yeah. Well, and you know what? Something that I hadn't thought about. I mean, there was (laughs) Rosario and Soler have let off a lot of the times for the Braves. So you do wonder if Barmal is one of the guys that may look at some sort of lineup like that to where let's say you do get a Trevor story. If he's not your leadoff guy and you know, you, you look at something like that. I mean, it's uh, the Braves lineup, you know, in game did it go? Yeah, it went Solaire, Freeman, and uh, Albies, which seems pretty inverted to me. You know, when you yeah. look at '80s and '90s baseball, to to being pretty, pretty successful. So you do wonder if something like that, the, at the likelihood of these moves happening, are may go down, may may raise or elevate because you know the game has changed that much to where you don't have to have your prototypical leadoff hitter, which in, in, you can argue that Edmund's not, but they feel like he is, you know, yeah. so you could go several different directions with that. Well, and Marvel was pretty clear in saying, you know, look, we're going to kind of play the matchups and just because you hit lead off one day doesn't mean you're going to, you know, yeah. lead off next. And um, I think that, yeah, I think that, you know, if you can sell high on Tommy Edmund, I think that would be great. Yeah. Um, I think there would be a lot of people that would be upset if you sold Tommy Edmund for some double-A pitcher because, <laughs> you know, a Tommy Pham type trade or whatever the case may be. But I'm not so sure that that's not the right play. Um, because I just don't know. I don't know how you can keep... I mean, you have to trade somebody if you sign a shortstop. You can't keep 
Paul DeYoung you can't, and Edmondo Sosa and Tommy Edmond on the bench. Yeah. I don't feel like. I think that's too many infielders. Even though Tommy can play outfield, I don't think that's also where you don't really want him to play outfield. Yeah. You don't have to. Um, plus, you've got guys like Naj Newtbar. You've seen what Juan Yepes can do. And I think that's a situation. And yeah. we'll talk about that later on. But trying to figure out what to do with Juan, Juan Yepes is going to be very interesting over this. Yeah. Of the next bit, just because. You know, he's playing the same place that Paul Goldschmidt plays. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, some interesting things we can, and definitely stuff that we can talk about later on during the season. Um, Alan and I will not be with you next week. This is it is actually um, our, our 42nd show of the year, which is ties one of our records. But uh, we're also kind of a bit proud of the fact that we've pretty much done a show every week so far. But next week, with uh, with a few other things going on and, and less going on in baseball, we won't probably, unless something significant happens, won't be doing a show then. But we'll try to get back at you in a couple of weeks, um, and um, we'll talk about you know hopefully by that time the Cardinals have finalized their staff, and uh, we'll be that much closer to figuring out if there's going to be a lockout or anything like that. That'll probably put a damper on our winner. Uh, but uh, whatever the case may be, we'll, we'll be back at you then. So until then, that's Alan. I'm Daniel. Good night. Good night. They just won't go away.